0: Hello and welcome to Daily Cafe on Unsafe Space with Carter and Carrie. Today is Thursday, February 20th, and uh, you can follow us online at unsafespace.com. You can also check out Book Club, which is going to be coming up in about a month. The book we're currently reading is The Madness of Crowds by Douglas Murray. If it's your first time here, uh, visit our website. You can get an affiliate link to that book on Book Club page. Um, if you want to subscribe, Uh, On YouTube that just means you follow us that helps us to get numbers hit subscribe if you want to subscribe financially and help us uh, with expenses uh, Then you can go to Subscribestar uh, And look for unsafe space And as we established yesterday Carter said Don't donate in hats however Thank you again to Heather 296. This is the other hat she knitted me. She's amazingly talented. I I love this I'm very happy.
1: I guess Carrie does take hat donations so
0: I I accept we'll work for (laughs) hats uh
1: Carrie um I tried to watch the Democrat I don't want to talk about this too much on the show but I did try and watch the debate last night and I don't know I Bloomberg was horrible and I think it's fun to watch someone spend a lot of money and not have it work I think he would have been better just not being on stage because his ads were better than his performance. However, he did say one thing that I completely agreed with, which is he I'm paraphrasing, but he said. uh, If this is what the Democratic debates are like, Trump will win. Like if this is (laughs) if if this is what we're like, Trump's going to win. Yeah. Yes, Democrats, if that's what you're like, Trump will win. You got to step it up. It's pretty bad.
0: So I didn't watch them either. My fella did, and he sent me his interpretation, his analysis. And he's he kind of likes Bloomberg, but he said uh, he said he definitely that Warren definitely um, made him look bad. He didn't do a good job of handling her questions about some kind of Me Too stuff. No, and, he, he was
1: he was bad. He was bad.
0: Uh, yeah. uh, he kind of thinks that he is. One of the only people, and I don't know enough about Bloomberg, and I didn't watch it, so I feel like I'm speaking out of element here, my element. But um he he kind of feels like he might be one of the only who could beat Trump because he has a lot of money. He is seen as almost like an outsider, even though he's not. He you know he was mayor of New York and stuff, but he's seen as an outsider the way that Trump is. Um, do you think there's any? What do you think about that analysis, or do you think that he has a shot? No. You don't. <laughs> he does know how to use social media well. Like no, he, whoever he hired you don't think so. Okay. No,
1: he, he's so he knows how to spend money, and he's got a, he's got infinite money basically, which is great uh, for running a campaign. But he doesn't have. I mean, no matter what he spends, at the end of the day, he's going to have to face off to Trump, and if he can't handle Elizabeth Warren. I don't know how he's going to handle Trump. His his answers were lame. His he just there was nothing compelling about him. I don't I don't think he could stand up to Trump. Will be vicious. Trump will be absolutely vicious. And it takes more than money. Trump Trump may be a billionaire, but that's not that's not the primary reason he won. Trump won because he knows how to talk to ordinary. I mean, I don't like the way he speaks a lot. Don't get me wrong. I I, I don't I don't like his style often. I don't like the the way he speaks, the language he uses. I think he often is hyperbolic. He says things that are, are inaccurate. He uses words that I don't think are appropriate, but he speaks to the average voter really, really well. He knows exactly how to summarize in a way that's emotional for people to respond to. He gets emotional responses from both sides. You know, one of the things in branding
0: he he knows how to talk to the elephant.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yes, he knows how to talk to the elephant. For those who haven't read it, that's a reference to Jonathan Haidt's Elephant and the Rider. Uh, but yeah, he knows how to talk to your emotional self, your elephant. And you know, one of the things in branding that they say for, uh, I think it's predominantly consumer brands. I'm not a branding expert, although I have done some work there. One of the things that they talk about is it's it's better to have a a name that elicits an emotion from people, regardless of what that emotion is, than one that leaves people flat. So like, for example, if you come up with a name for a product or something like that, and you focus group test it, and you get people saying like, yeah, that's, that's pretty good, right? In, in one name, and then you're the next name, you get some people saying, I love it, it's awesome, and other people saying, I hate it, it's horrible. You go with the second one. The charged name is better and Trump is charged in that way, and Bloomberg has no charge.
0: That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that before, The uh, but, but it makes sense, it makes total sense. Of course, you want something that's got charge behind it, even if there's a lot of negative responses. Right. Also, that tells you that, I mean, that's true when you hear people putting forth ideas, whether it's their ideas or someone else's ideas. If they're not saying anything, If they're trying to please everyone, they're not saying anything, and they're boring, and it's not worth listening to. If they're saying something, if they're actually saying something, and there's a quote, maybe it's an Aristotle quote that somebody could remind me of, there's a quote about this, but if they're actually saying something, then they're going to have, it's going to be charged. There's going to be people who love it, and there's going to be people who hate it, right?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know if there's an Aristotle quote about that or not. But I mean, I remember years ago, I could probably dig it up somewhere years ago, I wrote an article about this, which is basically, if you don't have enemies, then you don't stand for anything. Like if you're not, if there's no one who dislikes you, then there's a problem, you have no principles and no value. Because if you stand for something, someone will hate you for it. That's just the nature of reality.
0: Right. I saw somebody quote something the other day. This was more of a Christian context. Uh, It said, what was it? It just said, it said basically, um, you're always, you're always going to frustrate. You're always going to frustrate some people. There are always going to be some people who don't like you when you're speaking truth because you annoyed their demons. (laughs) Right. I was like, that's a good way. It's like, yeah, you're ruffling their demons feathers yeah we had to interpret that however you want Carter's not a Christian if you're new to this channel so he's used to me talking mumbo jumbo
1: yeah but I don't I don't <laughs> I don't fault you for it it's okay <laughs> um okay. and I'm gonna get you back because I'm gonna talk about Richard Dawkins in a second but uh okay, let's do it the other thing this reminds me of is there's the one last thing about this topic is there's also that phrase of you know when you're when you're taking flack you know you're over the target right this is one of the one of the things so if you're if you're if you're over the target that you need to bomb, that's when they shoot at you. So noticing charge is another like Bernie Sanders knows he's over the target. When he talks about socialism, he knows it pisses people off that don't want to be socialist. And so he takes a lot of heat for that. Some people love socialism in their commies and they and they love the idea of Bernie. And so he's a, he's also kind of a charged guy. Right. Bloomberg is more. devoid of charge completely.
0: He's devoid of Trump. Okay, well, one more question about Bloomberg, and then I know we're gonna do the topic you want. But I, again, I just have to do my due diligence. I haven't done it yet. I, I now I really want to go and watch just the excerpts of the debate last night with him and Warren. But, um, but the other thing about him is that, it, would you would you not say that it's true that out of all of them, he, you don't think he could go tit for tat with Trump in terms of like, like one of the reasons Trump is successful is because he doesn't care. What they say about him, and people love that. And Bloomberg doesn't seem like he cares.
1: Oh, Am I right about no, that? No, no, no. Bloomberg cares. So when Warren attacked Bloomberg, if she had attacked Trump the same way, he would have turned it back in her face. So remember when when Megan was it Megan? Yeah, when Megan Kelly tried to talk about Trump's um, treatment of women, right? She said something about you know you call women horse faces or whatever it well, I don't remember what she said, but she was some- oh, and
0: he made a joke and he said I wasn't talking about women. I was talking about Rosie O'Donnell. Well, yeah,
1: but it was more than a joke. It was so he what he did uh-huh. was he took a general statement, and and people were you know they had that concrete idea that Megyn Kelly put into their head. This is what he says about women, and it's kind of masterful what he did. Scott Adams was talking about this uh, a while ago. What he did was he gave them a different anchor for that statement, and he gave them an anchor that a lot of people would agree with, Rosie O'Donnell. A lot of people don't like Rosie O'Donnell. So he took that statement, it's kind of judo, he anchored it to Rosie O'Donnell and then doubled down on it, and that totally diffused Megan's ability to argue, even if she was like, it wasn't just Rosie O'Donnell, it wasn't just Rosie O'Donnell, which I think she said... By that point, the audience was just focusing on Rosie O'Donnell and they were kind of like, yeah, she's obnoxious, whatever, let's move on. They didn't want to hear the rest of it. That's a move that Bloomberg is – it's just beyond Bloomberg. He he was on the defensive and arguing about NDAs and, like, just saying wishy-washy, milk toast, weak stuff. There's, like, no way. No way. It, Warren against Trump would be actually much more interesting because I don't think she would back down either and Trump would have to uh, – come out strong and it it might be you know fisticuffs might be involved but it bloomberg's just kind of a wet fish and he have he had no ability to defend himself
0: interesting okay well thank you for your opinion in here you now you get what you so pay for it i'm not a
1: political that. analyst so you know, I know. I, i'm the one who thought kamala harris <laughs> might do well so you know take that for what it's worth <laughs> i
0: thought Beto was gonna do well <laughs> thank yeah. goodness he yeah. didn't
1: well who knows So uh, this is not the main topic, but I just want to bring this one little thing up because you mentioned something the other day that I had been pondering a lot. And actually, I was thinking of this other thing when you used this phrase. Uh, You used the phrase uh, reading comprehension failure. Like you would say something and someone was was reacting to something that wasn't what you said. There's
0: more of that happening this morning in my friggin' Instagram, but go ahead. It
1: happens all the time. (laughs) That's why I mostly don't. Uh, I, I'm, you know, sometimes I spend a little time on Twitter. I did today, but usually I'm, I stay away from this stuff. But uh, this, this latest one that I've seen going around, and I'm, I'm quoting Richard Dawkins, I'm going to use Richard Dawkins as an example, pre- precisely because he's an atheist. Which I mean, which I know makes him not in, you know, uh, on the right. And I disagree with his politics here. I mean, not this particular politics that he's about to say. I agree with this, but. I disagree with his politics. So what he says is, it's one thing to to deplore eugenics on ideological, political, moral grounds. It's quite another to conclude that it wouldn't work in practice. Of course it would. It works for cows, horses, pigs, dogs, and roses. Why on earth wouldn't it work for humans? Facts ignore ideology. Now, what do you hear him saying there, Carrie?
0: So he's saying something descriptive, not prescriptive. He's saying uh, it would work. Let's not pretend it wouldn't. And I bet you, let me just guess, I haven't read this tweet or no, I don't know anything about it. Let me just guess, they mistook something descript, descriptive text saying this is a fact. I observed this or whatever. And they mistook that for him saying, we should do eugenics. I'm prescribing this for all of us.
1: I really think we should have a little bell I can ring when we do these things because you got it right. Again, yes, of course. Of course, that was the reaction. Richard Dawkins is
0: pro-eugenics. No. By the way, by the way, somebody's going to cut up this episode. Somebody who hates us and it's just going to be me going, we should do eugenics. (laughs) Yeah, you're totally screwed.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Carrie Smith is a eugenicist. Nazi. It's so stupid. Oh crap, I guess they'll cut that okay. part up too cuz I just admitted you're a Nazi <laughs> eugenicist. Oh well. Um yeah, so this was this but Twitter went crazy especially people on the left, which is weird cuz I think he is on the left, but whatever. I actually I think the left also hates him. I, I maybe he's out on Yeah, he's on his own.
0: He's on he's out of he's out of the uh Well, I know he's been put in the left's uh virtual gulag before.
1: They, yeah, cuz he criticizes like, Islam.
0: Yeah, they like to eat their own and he's been eaten once or twice but
1: <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, yeah, they went they went crazy. They yelled about uh, they yelled about him supporting eugenics. He even clarified. He has another tweet here that says, "For those determined to miss the point, I deplore the idea of eugenic policy. I simply said deploring it doesn't mean it wouldn't work."
0: <laughs> like That how clear could you be? He's absolutely crystal clear. Yep. And yet they still refuse to hear what he's saying. Yeah. And and just to be
1: I'm clear, sure. he didn't say this, but I'm going to say this. Uh, eugenics kind of has worked on human. I mean, eugenics is just natural selection. That kind of has worked on humans. That's why you have variability of... <laughs> traits in both physical like you have genetic variability of like susceptible to uh, disease susceptibility adaptation for climates you have uh it's why if you do a lot of cousin marriage you end up with lower iq in that group uh which i think happened to the royals in the in in europe a lot because there was a lot of intermarrying it certainly happened to certain muslim cultures that do a lot of intermarrying so like Dysgenics happens. Eugenics, like, this is just how natural selection works. This is just genes. That's how it works. Should we do it? No. No. No one's saying we should do it. Would it work? Yes. It would work. It would, it would accomplish something. Things would change.
0: It's so weird how people are... I mean, they're just so... They're so ripe to get offended. They want to be offended so bad that... Yeah. They de- are determined to hear you saying something you're not saying. Even when you clearly say, I am not saying that thing that you're saying here. Let me clearly say the opposite. So it's, there's no mistake. Right. And they're like, you said the first thing. No.
1: <laughs> <I didn't. laughs> right. In fact, there's a, uh, someone else points out on Twitter that mate choice is just intuitive eugenics. Absolutely. Who you marry and have children with is your own personal eugenics program. That's what
0: that is. That's interesting. <laughs>
1: anyway, um, that's not the main thing I want to talk about. The main thing I want to talk about, Carrie, and I don't know how much you've seen this. Have you seen the latest uh, developments in the Julian Assange stuff?
0: No, and I'm excited for you to catch me up on. This is something I want to be aware of, and I'm not. So, okay.
1: Well, tell it's me not. I up. mean, it's not that groundbreaking, breaking, but it's an example again of like. Uh, I guess I'm into Scott Adams lately, but <laughs> two different movies playing, two different audience, people seeing two different things happening.
0: Maybe I think Scott Adams, for those of you, real quick, for those of you who don't know, you should check him out. I haven't followed, I mean, I'll follow him, but I haven't looked at his stuff in a while, but he's got some really interesting stuff about uh, the language of persuasion. He's the guy who does the Dilbert comic strip, but he's really genius and has all these thoughts outside of comics. So anyway, sorry.
1: Yeah, no, he he is. He's really, he's really good. And he's, Really insightful about methods of persuasion and that kind of thing. Anyway, which I am uh, remedial at, <laughs> but he um, he's talked about these the, the two movies, people having two different movies playing. But let, let's give a can we just give a quick background for those of you who don't remember? Julian Assange was the founder of WikiLeaks. Um, he got WikiLeaks kind of got popular when they originally uh, showed a uh, U.S. a classified U.S. military video of a an attack by apache helicopters in baghdad that killed a dozen people including two reuters news people um, and so and then and then he got Famous, I mean, many things kind of made WikiLeaks famous. One of the more recent ones and the one that's related to this is the publishing of the DNC emails. Remember, the DNC had their server, quote, hacked or whatever it was, and emails were released. This is when we learned things like Donna Brazil collaborating with CNN to screw over Bernie and make sure that Hillary would have the nomination. Um, We learned a lot. This is where kind of the Pizzagate conspiracy came from because there was lots of weird emails about pizza, that seemed very odd, and people just kind of leapt, jumped to some conclusions about what they meant and and whatever. So a lot of stuff stemmed from the the DNC server leaks. Of course, the FBI has claimed that the the leaks were definitely uh, perpetrated by Russian hackers, even though I'm pretty sure the FBI never actually examined the servers themselves. They're relying on third-party reports. The
0: DNC wouldn't let the FBI look at their servers. Right. The DNC
1: paid for third parties to... Jump to 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 look at the servers and come to conclusions. And the FBI supposedly read the reports and drew the conclusion that it was Russian hackers. I don't know who it was, but that I'm just giving this is the the status. And but but here's the here's the twist: Assange claimed that it wasn't Russian hacker. He claimed that he didn't get the emails from Russian hackers, and he implied that Seth Rich had been involved. Do you remember Seth Rich?
0: I remember the Seth Rich was the Hillary staffer who died mysteriously in uh, what was made to look like. I, I, I absolutely don't think he died the way we were told. Now I'm not saying I know anything. I just know that somebody being robbed, but he wasn't robbed. They left like his watch on him and yeah, his so... wallet on him. Even like it was just like something crazy.
1: Yeah. So Seth Rich was, I think he was 27 or something like that. He was a DNC staffer. He was walking home one night. He was shot in the back twice. His wallet, his money, his watch, an expensive pendant on his neck, uh, credit cards, all that stuff was still on his person, and his death was ruled a botched robbery. May have been a botched robbery. I'm just... Looks odd, right? And so...
0: I think it looks
1: odd. Yeah, I think it I think it's super odd. And and Assange kind of implied that Seth Rich might have been the source of the leak. But it was an implication. And the the other thing is there's there's emails. If you want to kind of go down that conspiracy rabbit hole, you can because uh there's there was also some people who were claiming that the files somehow i forget exactly how they did this i think they looked at transfer rates of files and concluded that the the transfer rates which i guess were still somehow embedded in the metadata and the wikileaks files were uh more consistent with usb downloading than over the internet so that would look like a usb hack not, or not you know a usb download not a hack externally um john podesta also- sent these weird emails like there's one he says uh I think we have to make examples now of the people who violated the trust of Hillary Rodham Clinton and the rest of the team. People going forward need to know that there are stiff consequences for leaking. People are agreeing. He's saying, I'm definitely for making an example of a suspected leaker. So there's this kind of conspiracy that actually maybe it was Seth Rich and he was killed. I'm not saying that happened. I don't know what happened, but that's the, that's well, the conspiracy. And
0: one, and one quick thing. Uh, Assange said... Because he was asked directly if it was Seth Rich, and you might wonder, well, why wouldn't he just say yes or no? Right. And he said, "We'll never WikiLeaks will never reveal the name of sources. That's why we, we keep them anonymous, unlike the press." <laughs> he's like, "We actually will keep them anonymous, even post postum- I can't say that word posthumously, right. even after death." Um, and so that that made sense to me. I was like, okay, I guess. And you might you might do that as, oh, he's just trying not to, you know, he's trying to keep suspicion alive. It's not really stuff. But I actually, actually do believe that's a principled stance to take to say we will never reveal the name of a source. I, no I agree
1: what. it's a principled stance. And it's not surprising that the guy who founded WikiLeaks would have principles and take a stance on them. So, okay. Uh, I think it's totally believable that that's a principled stance. Anyway, uh, so Assange, just to catch people up, he was he was hiding out in the Ecuadorian uh, London assembly or, uh, embassy for seven years. In April of last year, he was dragged out of the embassy, and he is currently about to um, have hearings start in the UK for his extradition to the US. I think he's been charged with like eighteen counts of stuff, including, like, conspiracy to hack government computers, violating espionage law, that kind of stuff. So the U.S. is trying to extradite him. His trial is about to begin, or his, his hearing in the U.K. is about to begin to see if he will be extradited to the U.S. And, of course, if he gets extradited to the U.S., he's likely to go to jail because the U.S. doesn't treat leakers very gently, let's put it that way. What came out in this hearing, though, is a former Republican congressman, Dana Rohrabacher. Do you know who Dana Rohrabacher is, Carrie? I no. don't. He's a guy, he's a, he was a congressman in California. I actually knew the name because he was famous as one of the only Republicans pushing legalization of marijuana. So he was kind of an offbeat Republican in that respect. And it came out that he visited Julian Assange in 2017. And he visited him and he said to Assange and he's this is according to everyone basically he offered to Julian Assange to ask Trump for a pardon if Assange would provide proof or evidence of where the DNC leak info came from he was like if you can show us where it came from i can ask the president for a pardon for you okay um, both Trump and um deny that they were like. Both of them say like we weren't. We didn't coordinate. We didn't talk to each other. Like he wasn't going and saying Trump would pardon him. Rohrabacher was just saying he was acting on his own. He he said and he knew he could talk to the president, so he would try and talk to the president. But Rohrabacher really wants to know the truth about where the DNC leaks came from. Got it? Got it. Okay. So here's what's happening in. In the world where there are two completely distinct movies, so on the one side, and and uh, this is I'll throw my you know I'll let my bias out here. On the one side, there's people who are saying, "Hey, actual proof about the DNC leak, regardless of what that proof shows. Like I don't care whether it's the Russians or whatever. But if we have proof about what the leak is, mm, that might be actually worth bargaining for." And I especially am on that side because I'm skeptical of any of the charges against Assange in the first place and whether they should be leveled. So, you know, I'm not sure he should be even charged with any of this stuff anyway. So if we can get real information about how a major U.S. political party was hacked, that would be helpful. Like, I, the truth is helpful. So that's one That's one kind of reaction and narrative. But the other reaction that people are having, the other way that this narrative is being told is, Uh, I'll characterize it more as the left, but this reaction is, well, Trump is dirty. He's trying to get Assange to say that the Russians didn't do it, and he sent his minion, Dana Robacher, over to to the UK to try and coerce or to try and convince Julian Assange to say that Russia didn't hack it because we all know Russia did hack it because Russian collusion and Trump and blah, blah, blah. Those are the two narratives.
0: Well, that narrative is dumb. I mean, I just think it's dumb because we all because Russian collusion wasn't proven. And it was a big, as Van Van Jones said, a big nothing burger, waste of time, distraction. Um, and so but the people who who believe that, who believe that 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 that's that he colluded or that that's re- like, I guess it makes sense to me that, of course, they would view it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, that would be the movie that they're watching.
1: Right, right. And so, I mean, you know, that's, that's really the only news. I just noticed the two different movies, and I thought it was interesting. And I think it will be interesting to watch what happens with the Julian Assange hearing over the next uh, few weeks. Because I, re- I probably, probably a lot of people who watch this show might disagree with me. Although, I don't know. We have a lot of liberals who are, have left the left. Who watch also, so maybe there'll be some more agreement than I thought. But I I think whistleblowers that have information about wrongdoing or unconstitutional abuse of power or that kind of thing, I think they should be kind of immune. Like if 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 Edward Snowden, for example, if he publishes information that should be secret, which he did. But that information wasn't doesn't constitute something that was unconstitutional or an abuse of power. Then then maybe you can punish him. But if it turns out that he's revealing stuff that shouldn't have been happening, that's unconstitutional. Uh, I think he should get a pass because and and I'm and I'm curious about why people don't think this because both sides. I was thinking about this, Gary. Both sides distrust the government. You've got the the people on the right who I'll call them on the right who are generally kind of drain the swamp, right? The the deep state. And in that sense, I agree with him. I'm against the deep state. I do think it is an entity. We've talked about this before. So they don't trust government agencies. But on the left, they also don't trust. They think that there's, you know, Trump is corrupting people, and there's these corrupt. You know, whenever a Republican does something, they think the Republicans are corrupt and using the system, and so they don't really trust government either. I don't really understand why. Well, like, both sides should be for whistleblowing, right?
0: Well, before Trump, remember this. It's it's hard to remember because things change so quickly now. Um, but before Trump, it was the left. It was us. It was my side that was talking about deep state and talking about the yes. push to this illegal war, this war based on lies about yellow cake and the deep state pushing for that war in collusion with the media, CNN and the CIA sold us that war and progressives rightly so. And Dennis Kucinich still talks about this. Dennis Kucinich, who's a progressive, he still talks about the deep state that now it's almost become a dirty word that leftists that leftists won't say because, uh, people on the right use it it's like why can't you find, why can't you celebrate your common ground instead of like saying oh you're using that now then we won't use it <laughs> like,
1: you know carrie you that, know. i gotta say as someone who was <clears throat> a libertarian for a while and then and then an, an anarchist i <laughs> i re- i really like what you're saying because when i was on the on your side when the deep state was like let's go to war and let's do all this like it was yeah, the the no people problem. on the right who thought I was a weird conspiracy theorist and horrible because like, how could I, you know, you're a crazy leftist for thinking that there's a conspiracy and my views have not changed, but now I'm crazy on the right for thinking that it's the same conspiracy, the same thing. Now it's like, now I'm on the right, I guess, because I said the same thing I was saying 15 years ago that the people on the left were saying with me, they've just changed.
0: Yeah, it's, that's, that's when you see uh, people who, who are so partisan they put their party and their whatever their party's narrative is at the time above everything else, and they don't. It's like your your role about um, universality or, or applying universal principles. They put partisanship above universal principles, so they can't. Those people, I don't know. I, I find that kind of funny, a funny phenomenon as well. It is weird. I, I much prefer people like yourself who the tide can move around you, but you're solid <laughs> in like what you believe. It's like. No, it's the deep deep state pushed us into war <laughs> right. uh, under George Bush, and the deep state now is right. What would you say they're doing now?
1: Uh, they're still yeah, us into war. I would That's say right it. now, mostly the deep state is trying to push back against Trump. But
0: they're trying to push back against Trump, and they're trying to push. And I think the reason. Tell me, I'm I'm a little um, unschooled on this, but. I think the reason they're trying to push back against Trump is just because they view him as someone who they can control him, but not like they can a system guy. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, yeah. I think it's I don't his policies actually are not much different than predecessor policies. Now, granted, what is considered acceptable policy has changed and moved much farther to the left. So granted, that has happened. So there's some disagreement with policies that Trump has that wouldn't have been disagreed with when Obama or his predecessors did them. But that might be partially that, you know, standards have changed. So that, that could be part of it. But I think the main reason is, and I think it's also the main reason most people that voted for Trump voted for Trump. I think the main reason is he, Trump is very clear about fighting the cultural war and very clear that he is outside of the what we'll call the cathedral, the media and state kind of and, and academia, that whole cathedral, that cabal of shared ideology. And he's very he's he's placed himself very explicitly against that and outside of it. And that's scary to an entire apparatus that's set up around kind of this ever-expanding, growing control to have the person suddenly, quote, in charge, come in and say, hey, we're going to dismantle this crap. That's uh, that's not the kind of person they want. They would prefer someone that they can work with and compromise and, and you know, bring into their little cabal. And Trump, I don't think, has made himself available for that, which I think is why people like Trump.
0: Yeah, I think, I think you might be right. I don't know. Um, okay, well, we, we can do a short one today. I know somebody was asking for a short one. Recently in the comments, not that we always been to the comments, but yeah, we did used to try and keep these to 30 minutes. So um, thank you for updating me on Julian Assange. I haven't been paying attention to that.
1: Yeah, no, no problem. And, you know, I can I just this I want to say something to people on the right who I'm sad about their <laughs> lack of support for Snowden and Assange.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Imprisoning whistleblowers is, who who are kind of needed in society to keep a check on government power? It's not patriotic to do that It's not patriotic to throw someone in jail for exposing unconstitutional abuse of power. So That's a that's an emotional spot response because your your deep state has ginned up this fervor about Hating on people who expose their wrong deeds, but those people are being patriotic It doesn't mean they don't love their country or or want their country to be live closer to its ideals, quite the opposite it means they're willing to stand up and when they see something that is unconstitutional, and Edward Snowden comes to mind here specifically it's it's heroic to stand up against that it's not it's not traitorous
0: no they're um they're beholden to the Constitution they're putting the constitution above the state
1: which which it is. Fundamentally and should be all the legitimacy of the government the government isn't automatically legitimate I mean as an anarchist I would argue it's not anyway But that's a separate issue even if you're like a small government person Which I think a lot of conservatives think of themselves as smaller government people the legitimacy of the state comes from the Constitution so That's what needs to be supported not whatever apparatus is in charge right now Not NSA because they're cool and they make spy movies like that's we don't care about the NSA or the CIA or or even the military generally. They're not the primary. They're not the primary pillars of the country. It's the principles. It's the constitution that gives the country legitimacy, not men with guns and people really good at listening to your phone calls. All right, we we, we can stop. We can end the show. Uh, I just wanted to throw that one last thing out. So, thanks for watching. And please don't forget to go to unsafespace.com slash, I think it's slash shop and store, something like that. It's on the front page. And you can buy merch. You can buy merch from us. And that's a fun way to support the show also. Carrie, any last words?
0: Uh, thank you guys for joining. And please hit like on the video, subscribe, and tell a friend about unsafe space. See you later.